Welcome to the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast, a weekly look at the latest news in Louisiana agriculture. Coming up, we'll have a look at this week's Louisiana Ag News headlines. We'll look inside the markets with commentary from experts at the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association. We'll check out the latest happenings at the state capitol and in Washington, D.C. in our grassroots government segment. And we'll hear from one of you as we take you to the fields and pastures of the Bayou State and find out the latest in crop and cattle conditions. All of this and more coming up on this week's podcast. Now, here's the host of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast, Carrie Martin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Episode 6 of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, and once again, we've got another great podcast lined up with some really great guests this week. We are heading into the Memorial Day weekend, and it looks like it's going to be a really good weekend for Louisiana agriculture. Now, it may not be the case for everyone else, because as I'm recording this, I can hear the rain falling outside my window. It's going to be a rainy weekend because of a tropical storm coming in. And while it may put the dampers on some Memorial Day celebration, it is something that is desperately needed by Louisiana agriculture right now. Conditions have turned really dry over the last few weeks and we could really use a rain on all of our cropland and pasture land. I want to once again encourage everyone to subscribe to our podcast. We have four ways that you can listen to this podcast every week. Two of those are through subscription services on your phone. If you have an iPhone, you can go to Apple Podcasts using your podcast app and subscribe to our podcast through there. If you use an Android phone, you can go to the Google Play Store using your Google Music app and subscribe there. I encourage you to subscribe, and that way each week you never miss a podcast. Also, if you're a SoundCloud user, you can follow us and subscribe to our SoundCloud page, and it will notify you if you set the settings just right to where each time we post a new podcast, you'll get a notification saying there's a new one on SoundCloud. And then the fourth way to listen is just simply stream it on our website, voiceoflaag.org. There's a podcast link at the top of the page. Click on that, and it'll take you to the page that has all of our podcasts listed on it, and you can stream it or download it right there off of our website. Well, it's time to get this started, and we kick it all off with news headlines on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Here's a look at the latest news headlines in Louisiana agriculture on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. The 2018 regular legislative session is over and another special session is underway. Louisiana Farm Bureau lobbyist Joe Mapes says there were a lot of agricultural issues to deal with in the regular session. We didn't come up with a budget in this session either, but we had a lot of issues that we had to deal with in regard to agriculture. We had quick take appropriations issues, property rights issues, trespass, water issues, both surface and groundwater, personnel issues, dedicated funds issues, the Ag Center budget, the Ag Department budget. So you can see we have a broad range of complex issues that we're dealing with up there. This special session will last for 14 days. It could be the third session of this year. The session's put together by the governor 
to deal with the budget deficit, which is somewhere around $648 million. Uh, he's put 32 items in the call, which means that any amount of legislation that these legislators want to file, they can in regard to the state's budget, fiscal matters, uh, taxes, whatever. Mapes says the governor has committed to preserving agricultural tax exemptions in this special session. But Louisiana farmers and ranchers need to be involved in the process to make sure of that. The latest Louisiana Crop Progress and Condition Report shows that just about all of our major row crops are in the ground at this point. Cotton planting now 88% done, rice 99%, soybeans at 93%, sorghum at 95%. The sweet potato crop now 36% planted as well. But we need a rain bad, according to reports from throughout the state, showing that most crops are becoming drought-stressed at this point, and it looks like one is on the way. A tropical depression out in the Gulf will bring much-needed rain across most of Louisiana over the next several days. Sugarcane condition rating shows 6% of the crop in the excellent category, 35% good, 48% fair, and 11% poor to very poor. Winter wheat ratings look good heading into harvest with 3% of the crop rated excellent, 55% good, 37% fair, and only 5% of the crop rated poor. The winter wheat harvest is now getting underway in Louisiana. Barton McIntosh planted 200 acres of wheat in Catahoula Parish as a winter cover crop this year. But when prices improved, he decided to grow the crop out. I just started adding on my calculator on my phone uh, what oh, the market price versus what some potential yields would be just by looking at it from my experience with wheat. You know, even at 20 bushels, we're still making a little bit of money on this. And so far, his yields are much better than 20 bushels. So far, we're probably right uh, right above 40 bushels, which, you know, I'm, I'm happy with. And that may lead to even more wheat on McIntosh's farm next year. You know, based on what the, uh, the market is showing me right now, which I believe today it's right at 560 for next year's July delivery. Uh, I'm planning on covering every acre I have in cash wheat with the intention of harvesting it and, uh, and double cropping at least half of that with soybeans behind it. As we mentioned earlier, all of our state is in dire need of a good rain right now, and it looks like we're going to get it over this Memorial Day weekend. Cotton farmers in the Arklatex will be glad to see it. Don Molino has more on that. Northwest Louisiana crop consultant Gary Wolf says the cotton crop in this part of the state looks good right now, but it could use some rain. No, we, we need a rain. We had a little bit of spotty stuff around yesterday, but it uh, wasn't near enough. I mean, we have cotton that should start square. We still have cotton laying in the dry. We have cotton we're watering up. Uh, as far as insect problems, there's not much to it right now. It's just there's thrips on some cotton, but seed treatments are holding in most places. Some have thripped, but uh, the ones that hadn't thripped, it seemed like seed treatments still holding. So don't see any aphid problems. So it's kind of quiet right now. Was there more cotton planted in northwest Louisiana this year? Uh, yes, I'd say overall probably 20%, 25% increase. Uh, the growers I work with had as much as, you know, 35% increase on a couple of them. I don't have a lot of growers, but the ones that I have are, you know, I have, I've got, you know, large acres. Of, I've got two of them that's got over 3,000 acres this year, which is big acres for us. 
So right now it, it looks good. You just need some rain. Uh, yeah, it needs rain. We, you know, we have a lot of irrigation up here, but there's more dry land cotton in this year than we normally have. But uh, that is because of the price. I'm Don Molino on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Each year, the Louisiana Ag in the Classroom program chooses one outstanding Louisiana teacher as its Teacher of the Year. Avery Davidson takes us to Lafayette Parish to meet the 2018 Louisiana Ag in the Classroom Teacher of the Year, Paula Guidry. The hunt is on for bugs in the garden at El Leo Judy's Elementary School in Scott. We're looking for the cucumber beetle. These fifth graders learn to tell the good guys from the bad in this outdoor classroom. Today you're going to research a pest and you're going to make a wanted poster. Paula Guidry is their teacher. She's been using agriculture to teach students the basics of reading, writing, math, science, and social studies for most of her career. It's amazing the kids who don't excel in the classroom. A lot of times you bring them out here and you see them excel. Whoa! Show Miss Guidry. Miss Guidry. Gidry says she plowed ahead with using agriculture in her lesson plans after receiving a grant from the LSU Ag Center to plant gardens all around the school. It definitely made it more engaging for the kids because they can actually see where their food comes from and they can actually uh, hands-on get involved get outside and it connects to what they're doing in class. We can read about those things instead of reading about something that doesn't really matter to them. Paula Guidry is outstanding. She is the teacher that you would want your personal child to have uh, for any subject area. Mia LaMare is the principal at El Leo Judy's. She says Guidry works with all of the teachers in the school to incorporate the gardens into lessons. Our theme here is environmental science and so with that we do do grade level gardens. Um, Paula is the director of our program for envir environmental sciences and um, in fact she was named the school of choice uh, director of the year she's received that title as well and now Gidry has another title 2018 Louisiana Farm Bureau Ag in the Classroom Teacher of the Year. Well, I was sort of shocked, I guess, was the first, uh, I guess, the first response because we basically feel we're a team here and so we all work together to make this program work. And, you know, I know there's some fantastic things going on in the state and with teachers just in our own parish here and throughout the state. So it was, it was sort of shock and excitement too at the same time. I'm Avery Davidson for the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. The Farm Bill, which failed on the House floor this past Friday will get a second vote coming up on June 22nd. That's according to Louisiana Congressman and House Majority Whip Steve Scalise. Scalise says the vote on the farm bill will come after a vote on a conservative immigration bill, which will happen earlier that week. That immigration bill vote is what caused 30 Republicans to vote against the farm bill last Friday, causing it to fail in the House. We'll talk more about the Farm Bill and several other issues coming up next in our Grassroots Government segment with Louisiana Commissioner of Agriculture and Forestry, Dr. Mike Strain. But first, don't forget to check out the latest news in Louisiana agriculture every day on our website, voiceoflaag.org, voiceoflaag.org. We update that every weekday with the latest news in Louisiana agriculture. And while you're there, be sure to subscribe to our daily e-newsletter. It's called The Daily Voice. It goes out every weekday morning at 5 a.m. It contains everything that's going on in Louisiana agriculture, including the latest news, market information, ag calendar, and more. 
That's the Daily Voice. You can subscribe right there on our website. You'll see a big button right there in the center of the page. Fill out the information, and that'll show up in your inbox every weekday. Coming up next, Dr. Mike Strain on Grassroots Government, right here on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. This is Trace Atkins for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. Farm Bureau has been working for Louisiana's farmers and ranchers since 1922, and that work continues today. If you're a farmer or rancher, Farm Bureau wants you to join and be a part of their family. Farm Bureau knows you're busy running your operation, so while you're at work on your farm or ranch, Farm Bureau is watching out for your interests. So join today. The Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture. It's time for a look inside the halls of government in this week's edition of Grassroots Government on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. On this week's Grassroots Government segment, we're talking with Louisiana Commissioner of Agriculture and Forestry, Dr. Mike Strain. Dr. Strain, how are things going for you today? Pretty good, pretty good. You know, it is on a Friday here, and I'm going to be at the state capitol in a few minutes. We do have one bill in play. We're going to see what's going to happen with that. We may be here over the weekend in this Memorial Day weekend. And, of course, we're also watching subtropical storm, soon-to-be tropical storm, Alberto. So we are concerned about that, that we could get up to 10 inches of rain. So as you can imagine, it's quite busy here today. Well, let's talk about those issues. You mentioned the special session that's going on right now. What does this special session mean for you and your department? Well, if you look at where we are, the appropriation bill, as it was sent to the governor, cut our state general fund by over 36%. Uh, the original framework of the bill, as proposed by the administration, by the governor's office to the House, had our cut at 24%. And, of course, uh, in that particular cut, though, uh, was the fact that we did not need as many dollars for debt service as we paid off our debt. After 11 years, we paid our debt off on, in September, the last of the debt for the Agriculture Finance Authority. So it did have some money there that could be surrendered to the Treasury. However, as the bill moved forward, an additional $3.2 million on top of that uh, was reduced. And when you look at where we're at now, that brings our available state general fund that is available to use in the department to about $9 million. That's nine. And 10 years ago, it was 50. So we went from 50 million to nine, and half of that state general fund goes to the Office of Forestry. The next significant share goes to Animal Health and Food Safety and then uh, to soil and water conservation. So if the $3.2 million additional cut on top of the 24% cut comes into play, it will necessitate uh, that we're going to have to take some actions and probably, you know, reduction of services and personnel. The money simply won't be there uh, to make those payrolls. Commissioner, it is hard to comprehend how you can go from $50 million in state funding down to $9 million and, and still operate your agency. That's just kind of mind-boggling to me. Well, we've done many things. You know, we've used full utilization of computer and science and technology. Our people are working very, very hard. Uh, most of my, quote, unclassifieds, those are the officers, many have multiple jobs. I will give you, for instance, my deputy commissioner is also chief of staff who is and is also the state veteran 
veterinarian. He holds three jobs. Many people hold multiple jobs. And so we've done everything we can to be as efficient as we can. That being said, you do reach a point of negative returns. For instance, you know, with our firefighting, uh, we are as lean as we we should not get any leaner because we will not be able to have the response time and the firefighting capabilities uh, that we need. And, And so the other part of that is, is that it takes a finite number of people to do the meat inspection program, and that's a 50-50 federal match. And so if we don't have the personnel, well, those facilities cannot operate under the law. Salt and water conservation. Uh, we bring down on any given year 100 to up, sometimes up to $140, $160 million of federal money through the you know, National Resource Conservation Service, through NRCS. But the monies have to be there to help pay the salaries of the technicians. The technicians do not write the proposal well, the monies don't come. And so, you know, potentially a loss of $400,000 going to help fund those technicians in the soil and water conservation districts could result in seventy-five to $100 million in federal money that we will not receive. It will go somewhere else. Commissioner, I know we are staring at hurricane season right now. We have this tropical system, which you mentioned earlier. Your agency is always very, very involved anytime we have a major storm in this state. I know that you are warning people or encouraging people to get ready and prepare for what may be to come, especially here this early in the season. Well, especially, you know, we talk about getagameplan.com. But everyone needs to be uh, thoughtful of what they're going to do. You know, we've seen record flooding. This could bring 10 inches. If you get 10 inches in a short period of time, there's going to be flooding. But also hurricane season is coming on as well. And so, you know, what we tell people, have a plan ahead of time. Make sure that your trucks and your trailers are ready to go, that the tires are good. You know, have a plan for where you're going to bring your horses, where you're going to bring your dogs, where you're going to move your livestock and your cattle, you know, and have all these things that in place ahead of time and then when it's time to go you need to go you know at the appropriate time or you'll get stuck and spend the hurricane you know on the interstate but i think we need to be cognizant of the fact that our storms are becoming more frequent and they're becoming more severe and so we need to have a have a a game plan if not then the, the plan that we have now becomes a rescue plan Commissioner, let's look at Washington, D.C. for a minute. I know you are always very involved anytime there is a farm bill being written. The farm bill came up for debate a week ago in the House and was voted down because of some some other issues dealing with immigration. But what are you hearing uh, as far as the farm bill's progress moving through the House right now? Well, I know Steve Scalise, uh, the majority whip, is calling for a vote on June the 22nd. I know that the initial, you know, the bill failed 198 to 213. We need 218 votes to move it through the House. There were members of the Freedom Caucus that voted against it because they wanted some action on the immigration bills. Uh, with that being said, there's been discussion by the Trump administration to take a hard look at the H-2A. That's in today's news to streamline that process where we can have legal guest workers. Also, there's been further discussion on bringing forth uh, Mr. Goodlatte's H-2C bill, which is where we can have legal returning guest workers. And so I think all of this in play, and I think there's going to be some sit-down meetings, but uh, we're calling for another vote on June the 22nd to move this bill forward. And again, this bill sets the roadmap for the largest industry in America. Commissioner of Agriculture and Forestry, Dr. Mike Strain, thank you so much for the time today, Commissioner. Thank you. 
Coming up next, it's time to go in the field. We go up to central Louisiana to talk with Jim Harper. He is in Cheneyville, Louisiana, Southern Rapids Parish. That's next in the field on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. This is Trace Atkins for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. If you're a farmer or rancher, Farm Bureau wants you to join and be a part of their family. I grew up in Louisiana farm country, and I know all the hard work and sacrifice that you put into raising livestock, growing a crop, raising a family, and running a farm. Farm Bureau puts that same hard work and sacrifice into making life better for you and your family, so join today. The Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture. We're taking you to the fields of Louisiana as we hear from one of you in the field on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. And as we go out in the field, we're talking with Jim Harper. He's a farmer up in Southern Rapids Parish in the Cheneyville, Louisiana area. Jim, how are things going up in central Louisiana today? Well, Carrie, it's it's going fairly well. Uh, we're really dry in this area, and we're hoping we'll get a rain in the next couple of days well i know it's one of those situations where you hate to see a tropical system moving in but it's definitely going to bring some rain that is definitely needed throughout louisiana well hopefully we'll get a couple of inches of rain out of this system uh the soybeans up here are really at a starting to get at a critical stage some of the earlier planted beans are actually starting to bloom a little and they, they really need a good rain Jim, let's tell folks a little bit about your farm. If you wouldn't mind, uh, run through with me real quick. What do you have on your farm here in 2018? How many acres of each crop do you have? Well, we farm about 6,800 acres of land. Uh, our biggest crop is sugarcane. We also grow rice and soybeans, and we crawfish. And a few years ago, when I was grazing cattle, you and I used to talk about cattle all the time. You had a few head of cattle. Do you still have those? Well, I do. I do have 20 head of cattle. It's kind of a little hobby herd, but, uh, you know, I enjoy fooling with them. Well, Jim, let's start with sugar cane. Your biggest crop is cane. Let's talk about how the crop looks so far this year. The crop looks good, I would say. You know, we've had a dry May, and that's been good for the tillering. It, it's improved the stand. And, you know, in a couple of weeks, we'll be needing good rain on Jim, how did your cane crop hold up through the winter? I know we had snow, we had some freezes. How did all of that affect the cane crop moving into this year? Well, we had a good crop last year. All our crops turned out good. We had a freeze in mid-January that we were really concerned about the sugar cane, but uh, I guess the weather conditions, the freeze didn't hurt the cane like we thought it might, and uh, it's come back pretty good. So we've got a a fairly good cane crop started. And I know with you sitting there kind of on the northern edge, I guess, of the cane growing area, are you at, I guess, a higher risk growing cane up in that area than folks maybe in the further southern areas of Louisiana? I would say we are. You know, it gets, it can get three or four degrees colder here than it does in the southern part of the cane belt. But 
the LSU Ag Center has really helped us with some of the varieties they're breeding. It takes that cold weather a little better. Jim, how many acres of soybeans did you put in this spring, and how's the crop looking so far? We have 1,800 acres of soybeans. You know, we've got them all planted. They've all come up, but, you know, it's extremely dry. Did you have any trouble getting the rice crop in with all the crazy weather this spring? No, we didn't. Uh, We planted most of the rice the last of March. We got it up and, you know, it was cool. It didn't grow much in April, but we've got the permanent flood on it now and it's starting to grow. Jim, I'd like to switch gears and talk farm policy for a minute. We had the House Farm Bill debate last week, and of course the sugar program came under attack, as it usually does. Uh, How important is it that we preserve the sugar program as we have it? How important is that for both you personally as a farmer and for uh, your industry and your community around you? Carrie, it's very important. You know, we, we can compete with farmers from other countries, but we cannot compete with the government. And that's why we have the sugar program. It, it protects, the, protects us against dump foreign sugar coming into this country. We really could not operate very long without the sugar program. Agriculture is the backbone of a lot of these small communities in Louisiana, and sugar is a major crop here. It would really hurt our economy if we were to lose the sugar program and have to stop growing cane. And Jim, I think this sugar issue is one example of why it's important for farmers to be involved in the process. You yourself spend a lot of time away from your farm. You're currently serving as first vice president of the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. Why do you feel like it's important for you and other farmers to be involved in their industry outside the farm? Carrie, it's it's very important. You have to be there to represent agriculture in Congress or at the state legislature, if you're not, somebody that doesn't have the same views that you have will be there. So it's it's very important that farmers get out, become involved, and know the issues and show up at these meetings and at the legislature and in Washington. Jim Harper up in Cheneyville, Louisiana, Southern Rapids Parish. Thanks so much for the time, Jim. Thanks for joining us here on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Thank you, Carrie. Coming up next, it's time to check out the markets. We'll talk with our regular market analyst, Greg Fox. We'll talk about the grain markets, and Dave Foster is standing by to talk about the cattle markets. That's coming up next on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. This is Trace Atkins for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. Louisiana farmers and ranchers dedicate their lives to producing the food we eat and the clothes we wear. Agriculture touches all of us every time we sit down at the table. So support Louisiana agriculture by joining Farm Bureau. And you don't have to be a farmer to join. If you're already a member, we thank you. Your membership supports farmers and ranchers right here in your local community. The Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture. Now let's look at the markets with insight from the experts at the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. 
Greg Fox is a grain marketing specialist with the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association to give us his insights on the grain markets this week. And Greg, let's first start talking about the soybean market. We started out Monday with a real bang, had a sharp move upward to get the week started. What was behind that big move to start the week in the bean market? China-U.S. talks, trade talks, that's been the biggest boost. Talk was that everything's really positive. And we've seen that before where, well, it's positive, and then, oh, no, it's not going as good as you think it is. But this week has been real positive. Um, they've come to some agreements. And then a Chinese broker bought some uh, cargo out of U.S. out of the Pacific Northwest area. So doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to China, the sale, but it's still good to see that purchase was made. And we were able to hold on to those gains all throughout the week. I guess maybe that, in a way, was kind of the big surprise because we've seen the market here in this 1050 range, but it never seems to be able to hold on to it. But uh, that strength is held on throughout the week. And here, as we're talking on Friday, we're up another seven cents or so. Yeah, and you're right. It's been tough to stay in the 1050 range. We've seen it several times. We get in that 1050 range, and then by the time the market closes, we're below it. You know, we saw it yesterday, closed at 1047. And then here today, we're in the 1050 range. And that's, that's some tough support for us to break through that 1050 and, and trade consistently at 1050. Um, but it's good to see it. You know, a lot of folks are being able to take advantage of those prices. But I'm surprised that we're getting this high when you strictly look at the volume of grain that the U.S. is potentially going to have this year. When you speak of the market, you know, at a position where it's kind of tough to hold on to, Greg, are you seeing a lot of people pricing out this new crop right now? Yeah, you know, folks put in open orders where if it gets to a certain price, it triggers the sell for them. And we had a lot of folks that were able to, to fit in that range, you know, from 1050 to, to 1060. We didn't trade 1060, but, you know, we have open orders in there. So a lot of folks were able to take advantage of that because they put those orders in. The problem that you run into is, Folks see it trade at 1050, 1055, and they call to make that sale, which already traded back down to 1050 or below 1050. So a lot of folks were able to take advantage by putting in open orders. That way, when the market got to that price, it triggered for them. Well, let's move to the corn market. Greg, we've been able to hold above $4. What kind of news have you seen in the corn market to give it some support this week? Uh, similar to, to the bean market, some of the dry weather that they're talking about coming through the U.S., this weekend has helped keep that market firm. Lack of bushels in Argentina and Brazil, I think, is helping keep that market firm, too. Export sales this week were very strong on corn, so that's helped. Again, we have plenty of corn. We need to chew up that those stocks, but the potential is definitely there. And then we've seen wheat rally, and typically when you see wheat rally, that lends to support in the corn market. So we saw issues in Australia parts of Russia and some other areas overseas that have some weather risk in their wheat crop, and that's lent a big support to the wheat market, and in turn, we saw corn rally. You mentioned wheat. Are you still hearing good reports out of the wheat harvest here in Louisiana this year? Yeah, I talked to a guy today who's roughly averaging 75 bushels on his wheat crop this year. Wow. 15,000 total bushels, and he's figured about 75 bushels to the acre. So, yeah, what a small wheat crop, but quality was excellent. 63 test weight, you know, 62 test weight consistently. Only discounts they lost was a little bit on dockage, which is normal. 
but uh, super good wheat crop. Hopefully that'll go through again next year and we get some wheat acres back in Louisiana. Greg Fox, he's a grain marketing specialist with the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association. Thanks, Greg. Really appreciate it. Oh, no problem. Thank you, Carrie. Have a good one. Let's take a quick look at how our markets wrapped up on Friday. July soybeans were up five and three quarters to close the week at 1041 and a half. New crop November beans up six, 1053 and a half. The corn market closed on a higher note with July up one and three quarters, 406. September corn up two at 415 a bushel. July wheat up 12 and three quarters, 543. Rice market finished higher after two days of steep losses. July rice was up a half, 1156 and a half. September rice up nine and a half, closing at 1143 and a half. Another big jump in the cotton market on Friday. July cotton up 175 points, 8921. December cotton up 110 points, closing at 86.65. July sugar was down one to finish the week at 24.50. And now we switch gears to talk about the cattle market. We go to our regular market analyst, Dave Foster. He is CEO of Cattle Producers of Louisiana. How are things going for you today, Dave? Everything's going well today, for sure. Let's talk about this cattle on feed report. USDA released its latest cattle on feed report at 11 o'clock on Friday. The numbers came in right about as we were expecting. No surprises in the report. We had on feed numbers as of May 1st at 105% of a year ago. Placements into the feedlots at 92% of a year ago. And marketings at 106% of a year ago. What do you make out of those numbers, Dave? What does that mean to you? Well, as you know, Kerry, when, when these figures come out, it's compared to last year, the same time last year. So what one has to do to put things in perspective, they have to remember what happened a year ago in the 1st of April. So looking back, we've got 5% more cattle on feed than we had a year ago. That is due to no wheat grazing pasture per se last fall and, and this spring is normal. So all those cattle that um, were destined to uh, to be on wheat and, and come out, uh, come into the feedlots in March and April, uh, they came into the feedlots in November and January through January. And so we're seeing those cattle right now. That So that, that tells us with the 5% increase in uh, total cattle on feed and then and then the placements, uh, kind of the same scenario, down 8% from a year ago. Uh, a year ago, we had, a, a, again, a lot of cattle that came off of wheat when they normally do the first part of March or by the middle of March. Uh, this year, again, because um, all those cattle that would have come in this time of year didn't because they, they all came in earlier than that. So. And then the thing that I really like, and I think the feeders are, need to be complimented on this fact, is a 6% higher marketings this year than last. They've done an excellent job in keeping current. Dave, do you feel like this increase in marketings is going to create any kind of problems in the market right now? The only problem, Kerry, that I see with this marketing type is, is the last three weeks, a lot of these feeders gave the packers time say, two to four-week delivery time, which means that the packers have got between two and four weeks to pick the cattle up to take delivery of the cattle um, at the price they sold them. I hope they back away from that, the feeders, because it kind of hurts us a little bit, and this week is a great example of that. 
There's been no cattle for any numbers of cattle sold out of the feed yards this week. And it's due to the fact these packers have got all this captive supply. And so they can pick and choose when they want to pick up the cattle. And, and so, again, we've got more marketings. And, and the more marketings re- relate back to a last year is that we've had more cattle on feed, of course. And so our marketings uh, have increased, which, again, I am glad that they've done that. But um, hopefully they'll get through this wall of cattle in the next month and through June and not get into this giving these packers days because that kind of hurts us a little bit, I believe. Dave, let's bring this a little closer to home. Of course, uh, you know, we don't have a feeding industry here in Louisiana, but what do all of these numbers, they definitely trickle down to us in one form or fashion. What does this mean for Louisiana's cattle industry right now? Well, I think the big thing that's happening, because placements are down, that tells me that there's some space in these feed yards because they're moving cattle forward. Our fall-born calves, Carrie, as you know, will start coming out next month in June and July. That's the start of our fall-born calves. So they're going to be coming to market. Now, most of them won't go into the feed yard, but they will go on to a grass-type deal, a summer grass kind of a situation. So that will be helpful for us to market those. Uh, Anybody that, uh, and probably not having many, uh, had a ryegrass kind of cattle uh, to speak of, which I doubt there's many of those, but, but there's an uptick in that market as well now because this uh, decrease in the number of placements. Uh, and then as we move into our big months of August, September, and October for marketing uh, Louisiana calves, we're still ahead of the, the big guys, if you will, the big number guys. And so our calves should take advantage of any kind of uptake uh, in the market there. So this cattle on feed report will, will help justify, I think, maybe a little uptick or, or at least increased demand for our calves coming to market. Dave Foster, he is CEO of Cattle Producers of Louisiana. Dave, as always, we appreciate the insight. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Looking at results from two of our Louisiana livestock auctions this week, Kinder Livestock Auction sold on Monday. They sold three to four weight steers from $1.40 to $1.85 a pound. Four to five weight steers brought $1.25 to $1.65. Five to 600 pounders, $1.20 to $1.55 a pound while six to seven weight steers brought a dollar eighteen to a dollar thirty-eight. Bread cows brought a low of four fifty to a high of twelve fifty ahead. Cow calf pairs seven hundred dollars to fourteen hundred a pair. At the Red River Livestock Auction, Cachata, Louisiana, on Wednesday, they sold three to four weight steers from a dollar thirty to a dollar eighty-five. Four to five hundred pounders, a dollar thirty-two to a dollar seventy-two. Five to six weight steers, a dollar twenty-nine to a dollar forty-seven a pound. While six to seven hundred pounders brought a dollar seventeen to a dollar forty-two, cows range from a low of a hundred seventy dollars a head to a high of fifteen fifty a head. Cow calf pairs brought five seventy-five to eighteen hundred a pair. That's a look at our Louisiana grain and livestock markets. Coming up next, we look into next week to see what's happening in Louisiana agriculture. We'll check the Louisiana ag calendar. That's next on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast.
This is Trace Atkins for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. Believe it or not, your food doesn't come from the grocery store. It just may have been grown on a farm right here in Louisiana. And those jeans you're wearing may have come from a Louisiana cotton farm. Louisiana's farmers and ranchers take pride in producing the food and fiber that we all use in our daily lives. So each time you sit down to a meal or get dressed for the day, thank a Louisiana farmer or rancher. The Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture. Now to wrap up this week's podcast, let's take a look at what's coming up this week on the Louisiana Ag Calendar. There are two events on the Louisiana Ag Calendar coming up over the next week, and they're the same event in two different places. The LSU Ag Center is holding a series of rice field days across the state of Louisiana over the next couple of months, and two of those are happening this coming week. On Wednesday and Thursday, May 30th and 31st, two LSU Ag Center rice field days. On Wednesday the 30th, it's in Iowa, and Thursday the 31st, they're holding a rice field day in Mamou. If you need more information on those, check the LSU Ag Center's website, lsuagcenter.com. Well, that wraps up Episode 6 of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. As always, we appreciate your time, and we hope that you found some really valuable information in this podcast to make you a better farmer, rancher, or agricultural professional. We'll be right back here again next week, but in the meantime, be sure to connect with us online, our website, voiceoflaag.org. And you can connect with us on social media, both Facebook and Twitter. We're at the handle at Voice of LA Ag on both of those accounts. We update those daily with the latest news in Louisiana agriculture. We'll see you right back here next week. Thanks for listening to the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Join us again next week. This podcast is produced by Kerry Martin and the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. For more information, be sure to check out our website, voiceoflouisianaagriculture.org and lafarmbureau.org.